Come on, we done had church already. We just 30 minutes into it. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Acts 2. We're going to start there. We're going to start a new series this morning for the entire month of February called All In. Everybody say All In. Everybody say All In. So Acts 2 and verse 41, we're going to start there, and I'm going to preach the first message of All In today. But today is also something special. It's Life Group Sunday. One of our favorite days of the year, Life Group Sunday. We do it twice a year. We do it in spring and we do it in the fall. And that's the time that we get to sign up for our life groups for the next season or semester of life groups. So I'm excited about that. So it's going to be an awesome day. So Acts 2 and verse 41 in the New Living says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. How many know that was a good message? 3,000 people got saved at your first sermon. I probably had three people get saved, and and even my best messages. He had 3,000 people on the first day of the church. 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How many know that's what you're doing today? Not that I'm an apostle because I'm not, but I'm a pastor and these early believers, the first thing they started doing was getting together and listening to spiritual leadership and spiritual authority teach them the word of God. And notice what happened next, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 43, and a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. That's what we're doing this morning. And shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And I love this last verse. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. How many know that's what's going to start happening to our church? The Lord's going to start adding to the church, not just weekly, but daily. There'll be more and more people coming to this church, to this house to get involved, and God's going to save them and get them planted in the right church with the right people, and God's going to add to the church daily those who are being saved. So this whole entire series is called All In, but today specifically, I want to preach to you about life together. Life together. Everybody say life together. together. And life together is the first message of this entire series. And I would tell you, this is something I'm really passionate about. There's certain messages that I can preach about that I know that's like my grace zone. That's my anointed zone. And one of those messages is doing life together. I could preach about that with no notes. I could preach 10 different sermons on it with no notes. I I could preach about life together blindfolded. I I could preach about life together anytime, any day, anywhere, because it's so important. And notice it was important for the early church, just like it's important for us. Now, we're not still preaching on redig the wells, but it is interesting that we talked about redig the wells, meaning we're going back to these ancient wells of truth and life and blessing that the early church and the early believers believed in. We're going back to the way they did things because that's where the life and blessing and power is. This is not technically in that series, but 
community and doing life together is a well. Because that's what the early believers did. It was a non-negotiable that they were going to get together, not just on Sundays and forget their church family existed the rest of the week, but they were going to do life together daily, weekly, monthly. They were going to meet in the church or the temple at that time, and they were going to get together and eat together and pray together and give together and share together and do life together. So really, life together could technically be another well that we could talk about from the Redig the Well series because that's what the early believers did. They lived in community. They lived in fellowship. No one was isolated. They did life together, and that's what made them so strong. That's why they grew rapidly. That's why they had revival is because they were all in. They were united in one accord in everything they did. And that's why the hand of God's blessing was upon them because they lived life together. So this morning, I want to talk to you about life together. And I want to share some things, some that I've shared before, some that I haven't. And first of all, I want to talk about this because it's really an epidemic in the world we live in today. Loneliness is an epidemic in this world that we live in today. And I was doing some research about this because we live in one of the most connected but yet lonely times we've ever lived in. We realize that even with the rise of social media, even though we're more connected than ever before, even though we have more friends than we've ever had before, we're more lonely than we've ever been before. Because there's something that's connected with social media and even technology, and I love it, and I waste my time on it just like you guys do. We all do. But it's proven many, many, many research has been done, and many experiments have been done on this. It's not just one isolated one. It's been proven the more people are on social media, the higher rates of depression, anxiety, and loneliness is in their life. You're thinking, well, how does that make sense? They're more connected with more people, you know, all day long, and they never stop talking to people, but it's connected to it because it's not real genuine community and life together. It's not. It's a supplement, but it's not the real thing. And it's been realized that even though we're more connected than ever before, we don't have any meaningful social interactions with people anymore. At all. And it's hurting us because we were created for community. We were created for fellowship. We were created for life together. And without it, it affects us drastically, not just spiritually, but even physically and mentally. There's issues that people have in their lives and their bodies and their minds just because they don't have community. And they're lonely. So loneliness is an epidemic in this world today. Now listen to some of the stats that I I read recently about loneliness because it grows every year. The the research changes every year, but it says up to 50% of the people that they talked to said that they were lonely. 50% of people in the United States of America said they were lonely. Some of the research said that up to 60% in some studies they did said they had no meaningful in-person activity in the past year. 60% of people And because of that, it's causing issues in our life because God created us for each other. He created us for community. And we have issues because we're not living by his design and by his plan. And some people don't even put it together because it's actually a spiritual thing, but they only see the natural thing. But 
just in the natural, these are some of the symptoms. When we are lonely, when we live a isolated life, it's been proven that the mental health issues rise. And there's more rates of depression and suicide and anxiety and stress. But also with your health, it's said that people that are lonely physically are just as unhealthy as people that are overweight and that smoke daily. Just from being lonely because you were created for community. And when you live in community, which is God's design, because he knows you better than you know you. He knows what you need best. When you live in that, it not just affects you spiritually, but your physical health gets better. Your mental health gets better. Your spiritual health gets better because you're living in God's perfect design and plan. And notice when we live isolated, lonely lives, a lot of times by choice, we suffer not just spiritually, but even physically and mentally because you're living outside God's perfect design and plan. It's interesting that there's even countries, UK being one of them, not the college, even though they need a lot of help too. But the United Kingdom, they have a minister of loneliness now. Because it's an epidemic in that part of the world and even the United States. They have an actual person in the government who is the minister of loneliness to help people because there's so many people that are lonely and hurting and physically and mentally suffering because of it. That's how bad it is. And they, they've seen this in this research that it's like never before that loneliness is killing us mentally and physically like never before. We are the most isolated generation that has ever walked the planet, yet being the most connected one. But God has called us to live in community. Now, it's proven that people that live in community live longer, live healthier, are happier, more full of joy, more full of life, just by you just physically living in a community together with other people. Why? Because that's God's design and God's plan. And when you do it his way, even if you don't know him, it works. It's proven that people that live to be 100, there's one common denominator. It's not because they ate right their whole life. It's not because they just exercised their whole life. That's important. But there's one common denominator with people that live to be 100. It's all of them live in very tight-knit communities. They're very involved. They're not sitting on their rocking chair. They're not just watching TV and crosswords puzzles all day. They're involved with their community. They're, they're involved with their kids and their grandkids. They're, they're doing stuff. They're going to church. They're volunteering. They're active. They're a part of things. They're not isolated. They're not alone. And you live longer when you live in community. Because that's God's design and plan. And notice when you don't, you suffer from those things. Not just spiritually, but we suffer physically and mentally. And that's really some of our issues. It's not all a spiritual thing. We're living outside God's design. And so loneliness is hurting us like never before. I'm going to tell you, God had this figured out way, 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 way before you ever figured this out. Way before they had these stats and a minister of loneliness, God figured this out in Genesis. Can we turn over to Genesis for a second? Let me read this to you. Genesis 2, verse 18. This is literally the second 
chapter of your entire Bible. He already had it figured out. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now let's leave this up here for a second. Notice the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now you got to understand this. Adam is living in a perfect world. He's living in a world where the trees are perfect. The rivers are per- perfect. The oceans are perfect. The mountains are perfect. All the, the food he's eating is perfect. All the animals are perfect. Nothing's hurting him. He's by himself with God, which most of us would say, well, I just, I just only need the Lord. Do you? Because God said, you're going to go nuts. You're going to go crazy unless you have some other human contact that are just like you. And he said to Adam, now some of you wouldn't believe this unless God said this. Because God said this to Adam, Adam in a perfect world with no sin, in perfect conditions. It was him and God, so he had somebody to talk to. And God said, it is not good, Adam, that you're alone. Because I've created you for community. I've created you for fellowship. I've created you for friendship. I've created you for family. And you need other people, other human beings just like you. Yes, it's important. We do need God. We know that. But God said, it's not good that it's just me and you. You need other human beings to be in fellowship with and do life with together. And it's not good. Notice that you're alone. Now, he's not just talking about a husband or wife. Now, that's important. But he's talking about you having other people in your life, other human contact in your, your life and in your future and who you live life with and do life with. He said, it's not good. Now, God said this. Now, we can't argue with God. Because <laughs> I know a lot of us say, I just need God. No, God said, it's not good that you're alone. You need other people. You need other human beings that are like you to do life with you. You're created for community. And God created us that way with that need and that desire. And notice, when we live in community, it affects us spiritually, yes, but also physically and mentally our health gets better because we're living in his perfect will. And it's perfect design for our life. So it's not good that you're alone. That's what God said. Our greatest desire as human beings is to know and to be known. Our greatest desire is to know and to be known. That's our greatest desire, first of all, by God, but also by each other. One of the things that is very common when you talk to people about loneliness is this. They say, I have a lot of friends. I, I got people in my life. I talk to people. I got family. But no one knows me. So you can have people around you and no one really know you. And you'll still be lonely. And some of you in this church today are like that. You have friends, you have family, you have acquaintances, you have people on social media you talk to, but nobody knows you and you're still lonely. How many know you're still going to suffer and live outside God's plan and God's best? Because your greatest desire or need is to know God and to have him know you, but to know uh, each other, other people, other humans, and for you to be known by them. So you know 
the person on the inside. No, not the superficial you that comes to church. The real you. The real you that you don't talk about at church. The real you that cussed on Tuesday afternoon at the break room. The real you. That, that's the real you. And not, not, the, not the version when you're dressed up and, and you look right and you talk right and everything's going right. No, the, the real you. And our greatest desire is to know and to be known. And that's what I love about life groups because that's the perfect place to start, to know and to be known. And we got a church of people today, I will say confidently and boldly because we kicked a lot of the religious people out, that this is a safe place for you to be, that, that you can bring your junk in here, that you're not going to get kicked out immediately. Uh, <laughs> but you can tell somebody how you're really doing and what's really going on, and you can be known and let let yourself be known to some people other than God because God already knows you even if you're trying to hide from him. But some real people that you can know and can be known and that will change your life knowing that there's other people that know you because that's really your greatest desire. That's why you're so lonely even when you're around other people because no one really knows you. Your family doesn't even know you. Your friends don't even know you. Your pastor doesn't even know you. But you can get into some life groups and do life with some people and be real with some people and be honest with some people and take the mask off and take the Superman cape off and be your real self and tell them, I'm struggling in this area. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? Now, I'm not talking about just complaining to complain. I'm not just talking about let's magnify our problems. I'm saying to bring it up to say, I need your help. Can you help me? Then that's real and that's right. And you know what most people will say? And if they don't, come tell me. And they will be out of life groups forever. No, I'm joking. No, but most people's response, which I know it's like that with me, most people that I've talked to and they told me something real intimate about their life and said I'm struggling with that. You know what I said? Me too. I didn't say, oh my gosh. How dare you say that? How dare you believe that? How dare you go through that? They're like, no, I'm struggling with this. I'm like, yeah, I've thought that before. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and you know what? Just saying that to somebody else makes that person feel so much better because they're not alone. They're not by themselves. They're known and they're being known. And just to say, hey, me too. Yeah. I've thought that before. I've questioned that before. I've been through that before. Maybe I didn't go through that, but somebody I know has went through that. I know what you're saying, but God can help you. Come on now. God can heal you. God can deliver you. Come on, let's get in faith together. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. God can do something in your life because we need to know each other and we need to be known. Come on, is anybody receiving this today? We need to know each other, not just to know God course that's number one but to know each other and be known and I want a church of people that don't keep walking around acting like I got a lot of friends a lot of family a lot of acquaintances a lot of social media people but no one really knows me because after this message that's going to be your choice and nobody else's because God wants to do something in your life and he's going to do it through other people when God wants to help you, he's going to send other people. When God wants to change something in your life, he's going to send other people. And a lot of us sometimes are, are not open to that. We're too prideful. We're too arrogant. We're too, we think we got it together, and we don't. Yeah. 
We need each other. We were created for community. We were created for family. We were created to know and to be known by God and by each other. And I don't want us to live lonely like the rest of the world because we don't have to. We don't have to. And the truth is the world doesn't have to, but they don't know right now. That's why we got to tell them that there's a real God that you can know, but there's other people that want to do life with you and help you and to know you. You guys getting something this morning? So let's jump back to Acts 2 and verse 41. We're going to go in the Message Bible. Acts 2 and verse 41 in the Message. Now, once again, this passage is taken from the first day of the church. So 3,000 people get saved. There's already 120 believers. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They went out of the upper room. They went on the streets and started preaching. Peter got up and the same Peter that denied Jesus got in front of all these people and started preaching. And it says when he preached, he preached such a good message, 3,000 people were saved. But notice immediately what they did to help these people get into life. They didn't just say, oh, God bless you, you got saved. We'll see you next year. They said, you need to immediately get into community, start living life together, start doing life together, or you're not going to make it. It's the same way with all of you in here. You cannot do it by yourself. You cannot do it alone. If you're going to make it the long haul in God and to fulfill the plan of God on your life, Yes, there is a call on all of your lives. And to do what God has called you to do, you cannot accomplish it by yourself. You're going to need other people praying for you. Come on now, somebody. Encouraging you, building you up. You're going to need a pastor. You're going to need some spiritual leaders in your life. You're going to need a life group. You're going to need some people, some brothers and sisters in Christ who love you and are for you and are going to encourage you on the days you want to give up on what God has called you to do. You cannot do this life alone. And those of you that think you can, you are prideful and you need more help out of all of us in here. Yes, you do. Because we all have those prideful thoughts that come, no, I don't need nobody. I got this. No, you don't. No one does. Unless your name is Jesus Christ, then you don't need anybody else. But actually, Jesus Christ chose to need other people. Because we all need each other. Notice, that day about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. Now, that is what we want you to do. Sign up today for life groups. It will change your life. I'm telling you, we've been doing this for several years. It's been 100% positive feedback. Now, if you really did it, now, not if you just came one time, but if you really got involved in life groups, it has changed your life for the better. We were baptized, notice, and we were signed up. So I better see all of your names on that list. And they could, notice, they committed. That's a choice. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And notice, the life together. They committed themselves to that. And some of you need to get committed to the life together. You're wondering why you feel left out or distant at church. It's because you haven't committed yourself to the life together. And until you do that, you're not going to partake of everything good that's happening in this house. Yeah. 
because you got to get committed to the life together, the common meals and the prayers. Verse 42. Let's go to 46 and 47. Let's jump over there. There we go. They followed, notice, a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Life group. Every meal, a celebration. How many would like that? Exuberant and joyful. So somebody must have brought something really good to the meal. As they praise God, people in general like what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were being saved. Notice that. So that's what our church should be like because that's the way the early church was. What did they do? As soon as they got saved, they said, you need to start doing life together. If you want to make it, if you want to grow, if you want to accomplish what God has called you to do, you're going to have to start doing life together. And it says, because of that, the church exploded with growth. There was joy in the church. There was finances in the church. There was prayers in the church. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. But really, I want to take it a little bit further today than I've taken it before. And this is the word that I feel like that God has given me for this year for life groups for 2020. Now, you guys still engage with me today? You're still here. The word that I feel like God gave me, which is even a little bit step further than just the word community, which is a good word or fellowship, is the word family. God wants to do family in this church. And I love this because it's a, it's a, it's a different level of intimacy and relationship with people when you're family. How many know you can have some friends you act one way with, but you can have some family you act one way with? It's different. There's a different level of intimacy and relationship with family. And it's been God's design and God's plan that we live in family. The church is a family. We see that the Bible is really the recording of the father and his family. The Bible talks about us as family. Notice it uses the words that we are sons and daughters of God and he is our father. What is that? That's a family. And God wants us to live in family in the church. And we see that the church is used many words to describe it. It is the bride of Christ. It is the body of Christ. It is the building of Christ. But it's the family of God on the earth. And I feel this strongly. So for 2020, for the spring and the fall semester, this church is going to take it to a different level with our community and with our fellowship, we're going to live life as family. Because that's God's design and God's plan is that we live in family. I love this, and I heard somebody say this recently, but the church is not a building to go to. It is a family to belong to. I'm going to say that one more time. The church is not just a building to go to, but it is a family to belong to. And that's why you're here. Not to just go to another building. Not just to do another thing with more people. Because to be honest, everybody needs community. And a lot of times people go about it the wrong way. 
You realize all the clubs and teams and hobbies that people have are wannabe communities and families of the real thing. People are just trying to fill that need with volleyball. And crafting. And Tupperware parties. Get a church. Get your needs met in the real place. All of these teams and hobbies and communities and things and community clubs that we go to and, and, and memberships that we're a part of are wannabes of the real thing. I'm not blaming people for having that desire. They're trying to fulfill that desire and that need for family and their heart. And they're just looking for anything they can. So they just choose community. You know, this hobby, this thing, this team. Let me sign up for this. Let me do this. Let me put my membership on here. I want to do this with these people. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying you're going to be missing out. I don't care how many things you sign up for until you get a part of the real thing. Those are supplements. They're not the main source. Until you get a part of the real thing, which is the church of the living God, which is the real community, which is the real family of God on the earth. And that's where your greatest desires and needs are met. Come on now, somebody. Nowhere else. God bless those other things. I'm not against them. But just so you know, they're trying to be like the real thing, and they're not. I don't care how much of it you get. It's not the same thing. And it will never meet your spiritual needs, which are the real needs you have. You need family, and the church is not a building you go to, but it's a family you belong to. That's true, and that's real. Now, I love this because the gospel talks about this so many times that we as believers should be family. I love it. Jesus said it himself. Let's turn over to Matthew 12 and verse 46. So Jesus, who is God, he talked about us being a family. So Matthew 12 and verse 46, it says, As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mothers and brothers stood aside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mothers and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I love this verse. Because Jesus was saying your spiritual family should be greater than your natural family. Your spiritual family is a deeper connection. So much deeper than the color of your skin. Come on now, somebody. So much deeper than the, your last name. So much deeper than your Ancestry.com profile. Your real family is a spiritual family. And you need to identify with the right family. Now, Jesus said, no disrespect to his mother and brothers. 
They're saying, hey, your mom and your dad and your brothers, they want to talk to you. And Jesus said, who are they? The ones that do the will of God, that's my family. And I want to say that for you today. You need to be loyal to the right family and to the right people. And that's your spiritual family. I'm not saying neglect your natural family. God bless them. Do the best you can. Lord knows you know they need some help, and you're using the only help in their life. But don't make the mistake of putting them above your spiritual family. Who is your real family? Like Jesus said, who is my mom and my dad and my brothers? Those who do the will of God. And I want to say this morning, there is people in here today that are closer to me than my natural family. I don't care if they have the last name Jacobs or not. I don't care if they have the same ancestry DNA that I have. It does not matter. What matters is the spiritual family that God is doing in our lives. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? And Jesus said, now Jesus said this. Your spiritual family should be your priority. It should. Spiritual family should be the one you're loyal to, not just your natural family. Oh, we got the same last name, so we have to be together. Who said? It's not Bible. It's Midwest, Southern Indiana talk. That's not Bible. The Bible says, I'm going to be loyal to the people that are going the same direction I'm going. Come on now, somebody. I'm going to be loyal to the people that want to serve God, that want to be at church, that want to pray in the Spirit, that want to believe in healing, that want to live by faith, that want to be involved in what God is doing, that want revival, that want to move a God. That's my family. I'm preaching this harder than you're responding today. Hopefully you're getting it today. I know I'm messing with your sacred cows of family. We got a lot of that in the Midwest, but it's not right. It's not Bible. Be loyal to the right things. Be loyal to the right people, which is your spiritual family. Jesus said it. Now, he loved his family. And you know what? Later on, if you read your Bible, mother, Mary, James, Jude, his brothers, they all carried on his ministry after he resurrected. So they got it together. But at the moment, they were kind of doubting what he was doing. And he said, I don't care if they're my natural family or not. I got to do the will of God. And I'm going to go with the people that want to help me fulfill it. Why? Because the church is family. Spiritual connection, way deeper than a natural connection, than your blood or your last name. No, spiritual connection is deeper, and it's family. I love that. So Jesus said that his family is the ones who do the will of God, who want the plan of God. That's my family. That should be the same for us. The church should be our priority. It's a family of God. It's a family to belong to. Now, I've said this before, and I mean it, and I'm not saying this in a religious way because some people say, hey, how you doing, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? Now, we know we get that because it is a Bible thing to say that. But God wants you to be genuine with you when you say that. Now, now I've mentioned this before, but it's true. 
maybe just because I've grown up in church my whole life, but I feel this strongly, is because the church should be a family, should operate like a family, and should be that kind of connection. But this is my natural parents, also my spiritual parents. This is my natural sister, but she's also a spiritual sister. But no offense to them, if they didn't want to serve God, I'm not loyal to them anymore. I'm not saying I'm not going to go to Christmas with them. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm not going to go to their birthday. But I am saying I can't have the same fellowship I used to have with them if they don't want to do the will of God. No matter how much I love them. Thank God I do have a good family that loves God and is my natural family. But you know what? There's people in here, and that's the way we should look at each other. You're family to me. I'd rather spend the holidays with you than my distant relatives. I don't know those people. They don't know me. I love you guys. I wish you guys would just come to my house, for goodness sakes. But, you know, I was thinking about this, and, and I see this, to be, to be honest, I'm not saying this in a fake religious way but it says in timothy and we're not going to turn there but in timothy it says you need to treat the church you need to treat the older men like your fathers and the older women like your mothers and the younger men like your brothers and the younger women like your sisters why because the church is family but you know what miss donna's right here and i love miss donna i see her as a mom to me she's not this mom but she's the real mom that loves me more than this mom, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, she prays for me way more. She will defend me way more than she will. So I'm loyal to her. So I could come over after, after the service today to lunch because I'm probably not invited to there. Okay. <laughs> mom knows that to be true. I'm not saying anything she doesn't already know. But you know what? I honor her. And you know what? She technically works for me at church. Isn't that weird? She technically works for me at church. But you know what? If Miss Donna said to me, Pastor Jordan, I see this in your life, I would listen to her. Because I'm 32 years old. And I see her as a mother. And I love her. Think about Brother Les or Brother Dale. This is my dad. But if I needed help and he was gone in another country and I couldn't get a hold of him, guess who I'm calling? Brother Les. JD. I need some help. I need some prayer. Could you come over and help me? Because I see these men as fathers in my life. Now, I know we, we affectionately call Brother Les Uncle Les. But that's the way the church should be. It should be family. And I'm not saying that in an uber spiritual way. You're the fathers of this church, the mothers of this church, and you really don't mean it. No, I really feel that in my heart. But all of you should feel the same way. You should look at each other and say, that's another mom in my life. That's another dad in my life. That's another brother in my life. That's another sister in my life. And I'm going to do just as much for them as I would my own natural family if they were in need. Come on now, somebody. I know I'm stepping on your Midwest cows. It's okay. That's the word. But here's something. Speaking about family, did you guys know 
Now, you know I have a sister. This is going to be like, like shocking gossip at church. But did you know I had 12 brothers? Look at Miss Donna's face. She's like, Dr. Jacobs never told me this. <laughs> do you, did you know that I have 12 brothers? I do. And I'm not saying this in, in a funny way, in a real way. I have 12 brothers. You want to see a picture of them? You guys want to see a picture of them? Okay. Could you show the picture of them? I got 12 brothers. We're all from different backgrounds, different races, different last names. But you know what the Bible says? When you come into Christ, you get born again. And you're born into a new family with a new name and new blood and new DNA. And that's your real family. And it says that all of us in that picture, we have all received Jesus, so we're all born again into the same family with the same last name, in the same blood, in the same DNA, in the same purpose, and that's my family. You know what I think about when I, when I see this picture? Because this was taken a while back when we went to Brazarios and we ate so much steak, it was insane. I think about this verse in Ecclesiastes 4. 9 and 10, if you could put that up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You know what today is your pastor? I want to say this with some urgency. Some of you, I'm scared for you because if you fell, you ain't got nobody. Most of you, that's your choice, not theirs. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. Because you can help each other succeed, but if one falls, one can pick up the other one. And how many know in life, there are going to be times where all of us in here are weak and need help. And vice versa, there's going to be times that we're strong and we can help somebody else. But there's going to be a time in your life that you need somebody else. And if you have chosen to live isolated and alone, you're going to reach up and there's going to be no one to help you up. You want to know why I can't fail? I got too many people I've invested in my whole entire life. Good for you, Pastor. You can do that too. You know why I can't fail? It's because I've had these people in my life since I was a kid. And I have called them and texted them and taken them to more meals than I can even count. And paid for it, of course. I have driven people across the country since the time I was 16 to now I'm 32. I have invested in friendship and relationship for year after year after year after year. So I'm not afraid of failing or falling. I'm not afraid when I get weak because I know if I put my hand up, there's going to be at least 12 hands that are coming to grab me. But let it be said for you too. You can't do that or expect that if you're going to live an isolated life, a lonely life, and then say, well, people at church don't like me. No, you're not friendly. Well, I can't really fit in at church. No, you choose to not fit in. 
You're never around, so that's not anybody else's fault but your own. But you can choose to be like this verse we just read in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one. That you can get into a life group of people that you know, they got my back. They're going to pray for me. They're going to help me. They're going to encourage me. And if I fall and get weak, I'm going to have somebody to help me up. That's why we need to do life together. You follow me today. But it's family. It's family. Now, I know I got a lot more than just 12, but I just wanted to put those 12 brothers up. But it should be said the same for you, that you could look around the church and say, hey, I know if I got in trouble... Dan and Trish would be there. If I got in trouble, Haas and Lisa would be there. If I got in trouble, I know Mr. Jim and Miss Helen would be there. You need to be able to say that about your own life. But that doesn't happen if you live isolated and alone. You got to live in community. You got to know some people and be known. That's the greatest desire you have. We're going to wrap up here soon so we can go back and sign up because I know you're really excited right now. You're saying, hey, if I sign up, will you send me to Brazario Steakhouse with 12 friends? I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I will say Life Group will be a great time, and you'll probably have great food there too. Let's look at Ephesians 3 and verse 14. Talking about the church's family. Because the church is not a building, it's a family to belong to. I love this prayer The Apostle Paul says, Ephesians 3, verse 14, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I love that the Apostle Paul, when he's praying, he says, I pray to the Lord Jesus in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Why? Because it's a family. And the truth is, half of the family's up there. Half of the family's in heaven right now. Half of the family's on earth. But it's still a family and we're still connected. And you know what? The Bible talks about this, that one day in eternity that we're going to have a big family reunion. It's going to be way bigger than pot pies and Baked beans. And a couple games of cornhole. But there's one day coming that the whole family, come on now, is going to get back together. The family in heaven and the family on earth. And there's going to be billions and billions and billions of us. And it's called in the Bible the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it says that we're going to come back together and have the biggest party and celebration we've ever had. The biggest dance party, the biggest buffet that you've ever seen has to be to feed billions of people. And one day the family in heaven and the family on earth is going to get back together in eternity and we're going to celebrate the family. Come on, isn't that something to look forward to? But the church is a family. It should be that deep and intimate relationship with us. It's a family to belong to. You know, Speaking about family, family is so important. And I got this last verse I want to share with you before we dismiss you to go sign up for life groups. Thinking about this season of life groups as family. I feel this strongly for a lot of you in here. You're lonely. 
like I talked about at the beginning of this message, you're lonely. Some of you might even have a family, but you're still lonely because you don't let anybody know you. Some of you might have friends that you know, but you're still lonely. And God wants to set you in a place of family so you're not lonely anymore. And I feel strongly that's what God is trying to do like never before in this church through life groups. The verse is Psalm 68 in verse 6. It says, God places the lonely in families. And he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I love that. God places the lonely in families. That's what God's going to do this semester in life group. He's going to set some of you in here that have been lonely for a long time because you refuse to let anybody know you. He's going to set that lonely person in a family, and the family is the church. The family is in community with the right people. And I've heard this so many times in my spirit that this whole year of life groups is going to be family like never before. Some of you that have already experienced life groups, I know you enjoy it. You think it's great. You're involved. But even you guys are going to go to a different level in your groups. It's going to become family like never before. But for some of you who haven't plugged in, and refuse to plug in and think you don't need anybody, God's giving you this verse today by the Holy Spirit. God wants to set you in a family because you're lonely. Now, you might not tell anybody else you're lonely, but you know in your heart, I need people in my life, and I'm lonely. God hears your cry. He hears your prayer. And he's saying, but you have to take the step to become a part of that family. He can't do it for you. You're going to have to take the step to become a part of what he's doing. That's what life groups is. It's family. And I feel like that today that's happening, but also with the more and more people that are going to be coming to this house, God's going to be sending people from all over this region to this place because of this verse, because he sees them and he says, they're lonely and I'm going to set the lonely in a family. And that family's church on the rock. Now, we're not the only family around here, but we are one. And God's going to say, hey, you're lonely. i got a good family for you. i got the right mom and dad for you. i got the right brothers and sisters for you. i got some, some good uncles and aunts. I even got some crazy cousins at Church on the Rock. i got the right people for you at Church on the Rock. And because you're lonely, God says, hey, I'm going to put you in a family. But notice, you got to make that choice. God can take you right to the doorstep of your new home, but you got to walk in the door. You got to sit down at the table. You got to open up with somebody. You got to be real with somebody. God says, I'm, I'm trying to get you involved in this family, but you got to make that choice. And that's what we're going to do with life groups. Come on, did you guys get anything today? Yeah.